welcome to Break the Boardroom, a music business podcast breaking the wall between the public and music industry insiders. I'm your host, Ashley Betances, a music business student studying commercial music industries at Ryder University. We have our audio engineer and producer, Curtis Sullivan, in the room who will also be asking some questions. Um, so before we start, please like this episode and subscribe to our show and social media pages linked in the description and consider donating to our coffee page. Every donation counts and helps us bring you the best content possible. Thank you and let's get started. So our guest today is Jamie Dominguez. She has 25 years of experience in the music industry, is an instructor at Berkeley NYC and has previously worked at CSAC as the Senior Director of Creative Services. She currently works at Sound Royalties as the Regional Director of Business Development and Artist Relations, among other roles in different organizations. Please welcome Jamie Dominguez. Thank you, thank you for having me. Can you introduce yourself and your experience and many different roles in the music industry? Sure, I'll, I'll try my best uh, <laughs> to encapsulate it into an introduction, but you did a beautiful job already. <laughs> uh, my name is Jamie Dominguez, and like you said, I've been in the industry for 25 years. It's crazy that I've been you know, involved that long, but it's, it's uh, my passion and I love it. And mm -hmm. I have... Like you said, I've I've sort of I stayed in one company for a long time, CSAC, but um, before before moving on to Sound Royalties, and in that time, I've sort of been able to grow and and experiment after I left CSAC and found a sort of niche uh, for myself, which we can we we'll get into later, but overall, I would just describe myself as a creative Sherpa, a guide. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoy connecting dots and educating our community, the creatives, both the creatives and young professionals wanting to, uh, you know, sort of get involved in the industry. And I really see my role as someone who is there to shepherd in this next generation and to really improve the, I guess, shortcomings of our industry, the things that, the things that uh, you know, have been a source of struggle for a lot of artists, um, but also how do we make the business equitable and fair, sustainable, profitable for everybody involved on the creative side mm -hmm. and on the business side. And I think it's possible and we just have to work together as a community to make that happen. So really what, what I do, uh, I think, is connect dots and, and really mm -hmm. try to find ways, you know, new interesting business developments and um, to, to share with creatives and sort of bridge the gap between the two worlds as well, between the business and the creative, to make sure that everyone is sort of speaking the same language and, and understanding there's transparency. Um, I kind of digress there, but. <laughs> no, that's perfect. <laughs> um, so I, I do wanna touch upon that education and the aspect of really uh, teaching the new and aspiring, I guess, industry professionals, you know, and guiding them. Um, so what are some ways that you do that in your uh, career and in other aspects as well? I always did it, it just, you know, when I was at CSAC, my, my primary role there was to, it was sort of a threefold um, 
role where I was, you know, acquiring new talent, new songwriters. I was doing sort of the A and R aspect of the job, um, and then also maintaining our current roster, the current roster of artists at CSAC. So just making sure that, you know. The writers are any questions they might have about their royalty statements, or they just want advice on a situation. Um, and then, you know, the third part of the job was really branding CSAC, sort of bringing awareness about CSAC and educating the community about about what CSAC does. So there was always an uh, an educational component to what I did. Anytime I had a meeting with a songwriter or anybody on their team, whether it's a manager or an attorney or a business manager, anyone involved really, there was always an education aspect to it because we would just sit in my office or wherever we were and talk about all kinds of things. But really, <laughs> you know, what that part of the, the business is, it's very, what's the word? Um, it's a very niche sort of part of the business. Mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of professionals within the industry don't really have a full understanding of it, of how royalty income works, how it flows, because it is mm -hmm. extremely complicated. There are a lot of cooks in the kitchen, which makes it complicated. Um, yeah. The nature of deals, they're all structured differently. So it becomes a really tricky part of the business. And, and quite frankly, um, it, it's one of the most important because this is sort of your lifeline as an artist mm -hmm. um, and, and everybody around it. That's why publishing and anything surrounding that is so lucrative. Um, that's really how you, you make money in your sleep and you know, how you make a living, <laughs> how your, your grandchildren could, can benefit from, you know, your art down the line, mm -hmm. um, you know, it can create general generational wealth if you do it right. So it's so important. And I'm really grateful that that was really my, my main entry point. Um, my first real job in the industry. There was one other before that I, I worked for a, um, a public relations firm in Austin, Texas when I was still in college. And mm. it was an entertainment PR firm. And that really that really gave me a lot of skills that I use still, uh, just in terms of how you communicate with people. But mm. yeah, there was there's always been that educational element to what I do. And I really enjoy it. I really I, I love just talking with artists and, and anyone on, on on their team about what's going on, what what their experiences are and you know what they're learning and what their what their hardships are so and how I can help add value or connect them with someone who can you know enhance their situation or 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 bring something to the table that they might need so yeah that's it's it's always been there and then when I when I transitioned into the sound royalties gig for me that was really about I needed to to try something new for my own personal growth and yes. it's always important, you know, to grow and to learn continuously, you know, continuously educating mm -hmm. yourself. Oh, yeah. But especially because it's such a priority in, in my career to really 
have a legacy, to leave something behind. And mm. so that's sort of what made me pivot into this sort of music and finance space that I found myself in, which I never would have thought I would, I would ever be here, but I am. <laughs> and, and, and that's a whole nother journey and adventure that I'm, I'm really enjoying and trying to make the most of now. So when we talk about, you know, all of these music, music publishing contracts, music publishing uh, deals uh, that we usually call them that, what are some things that you tell people who you're talking to, who you're sitting down in that office and they're talking to you about all these things? And what are some of the things that you tell them? That's a great question. I always tell them to ask, to talk to everybody they know, whether it's their peers, other artists, if they're going into a situation with a label or a publisher or any company, find out, do your research, find other artists who've had dealings with, with whatever the entity is and ask them questions, ask them about their experience. Really doing your, your research and educating yourself before you go into a situation is so important because when you sign a contract, when you sign yourself to a deal, mm. that's it. You're locked in. Yeah. It's like a marriage. And, and it's so important to know what you're, what you're getting into beforehand. So, yeah, ask, your, ask everybody in that space, you know, any question you want. There are, no, there are no silly questions. You have the right to ask any question you want. Mm. Another thing I always tell people is... You know, if you're if you're in a negotiation with a company, whether it's a label or a publisher or a manager, whoever it is, it everything is negotiable. Mm -hmm. And anyone who tells you that whatever is on paper or whatever they say is industry standard, I consider that a big red flag. Mm. Because yes, there are there are sort of the systematic ways that, that the industry has done things historically, but that doesn't mean it's not a law. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Only there, there's copyright law infringement mm -hmm. and, and, and legalities, yes, but in terms of the types of deal structures and there is really no standard. So... I think if there's if there's ever a point where where that's that is relayed to you, you know that that there's this is just how it is. It, mm -hmm. That's just not true. Um, there's all you always have you always have the right as as an artist or anyone going into a contract to to negotiate and and to mm -hmm. ask questions and to voice any concerns. So always. Yeah, take, make sure that you don't just sign something because someone tells you that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, yeah. Can I ask also, mm -hmm. I've noticed just from my dealings and the industry and everything, I've noticed that like uh, sometimes there are people who will tell you that, oh, you're, you're on, uh, you know, a corporate gig or whatever. So we don't do this or that. Can you just speak to like when you do have brands who are, wanting to collaborate with artists or do different things that should probably go very similarly to, you know, doing an event or like a concert, like it shouldn't, you know, like cut your pay in half or something because they're like, oh, well, we're, you know, this is just a small thing. 
Yeah, I, you know, that it's tough because, of course, there's always budget constraints and everyone's trying yeah. to make things work and everybody has expectations and and things that they they feel they're entitled to. I think it's really just a matter of being transparent and communicating and just meeting in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, both sides really have to understand the nature of the situation and, 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 and listen to the other person and really try to understand. Because, you know, of course, I, I was just having this conversation with a manager yesterday about um, an artist who, who wanted X amount of money for an advance, but what the artist, I don't think, and it was, you know, a young artist, I don't think the artist realized in asking for the amount that they, they wanted was that this isn't free money mm. and you have to recoup that money. Yes. And it, do, it doesn't make sense in, for where you're at at the moment to, to take that much money. It, wouldn't, it really wouldn't be in the artist's best interest or on the label's best interest to extend that much money. Both, both sides, it just wouldn't make sense, right? And so I mm-hmm. think there's, there's a, a real responsibility for, on both parts to listen and to, to, to talk to each other, to communicate. You know, the, the, the label really has to do the best to um, articulate why, you know, and, and, and explain and really be transparent about the situation. And then the artist also has, the, the onus is on them to really pay attention to that and, uh, and try to understand and, and to reframe how they, how they sort of see things. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think, you know, like any relationship, both sides really just, there's, there's a transparency that I think if you, if you strip it all down fundamentally, that's, that's sort of where all the issues arise in our, in our business, mm-hmm. I think, is a lack of transparency, right? Like, just everybody just lay it on the table, shoot it straight. Yeah. Like, let's just be direct, yeah. you know? And then everything's going to be perfect. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like, it, it, it's not, I, I, sometimes I can romanticize it, but, but, no, of course, nothing's ever going to be perfect because you have all kind. you're dealing with all kinds of personalities and the nature of what, what we do in this business is so full of colorful situations and yeah. personalities and people and and um, and everybody is passionate and everybody wants to do cool things and everybody you know everybody wants to make money. People want to be famous. There's so many things that it's a very unique space that we're in. So mm-hmm. that it it can be challenging, but yeah, every, I think it's just a. a communication and transparency really on both sides in that similar vein um one of the things that i actually learned was that when two musicians or more are in a room they should probably write a sort of like a little contract saying like who gets who wrote what and what what is their cut you know um how do you recommend artists go about that because i know there's so many people who collaborate but they probably don't understand that they should really be making sure that their splits are correct and then everything yeah, is Yeah, I mean that is always a an awkward situation for a lot of artists because they don't feel comfortable talking about money or business or you know they just want to focus on 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 creating and and making the art. But yeah, it is, you know, as a as a creator, you are and I I used to drill this into my Berkeley students in class all the time like as as a creator, you are the CEO of your own business. 
You know, you have to treat it like that. So there's always an approach. You know, it's all about the approach. And I think you just get it out of the way and you can, you can make it as light as you need to. You know, it doesn't have to be this dark, heavy conversation. It could be like, all right, let's have a drink. Let's have a coffee, whatever. Let's get a, get, let's get a slice of pizza. I don't know. Let, let's just get this out of the way. Let's figure out how we're going to sort this, this situation. You know, what, what are the splits going to be? Because if you don't figure it out, you're going to have problems in the long term. And, and dealing with that is, is much more problematic. It's going to cost you a lot of money to, to backpedal and fix those problems. So get it out of the way so that you can start making the money sooner, make more money in the process, and, you know, avoid the conflict, which, you know, avoiding that conversation in the beginning could actually end up turning into a conflict later down the road, right? So... Yeah, you're, you, if you just deal with things and don't avoid avoid it, then mm-hmm. yeah, you'll you'll avoid a lot of headache. So. Yes, is that a role that um, should I say? Should I reword it as is there a role that sort of takes care of all of those aspects of an artist? Yeah, I mean, you could have uh, a manager or an attorney do it on your behalf. Um, you know, at that point, you, you're probably further down the road in your career, have have more leverage. But I think also sometimes it can be beneficial to just do it directly as as peers. You know, mm-hmm. um, if if you're if you're depending on the situation, of course. But um, I think it could be a, a positive thing if it comes from the artist, artist to artist, you know, mm-hmm. like, let's just, let's just talk about it. Um, of course, yeah, there, there are certain situations where it's not a close relationship. Maybe they're just work, they're collaborating for a specific mm-hmm. project and there's not even really any interaction. That happens all the time now, right? Virtually or otherwise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then you, then yeah, you can have your attorneys connect and, and, you know, hammer it out or, management team can do it as well so in in that general aspect of the roles that um that there are in the industry to help Mm -hmm. artists um can you tell me a little bit about those roles and let's get to that that second part of the question a little later when you yeah yeah. so just tell me like a, a little bit about those roles that there are in the I mean, there are so many. <laughs> there are so many. But I guess if we just strip it down to the basics, let's just start. Let's just mm-hmm. keep it real simple. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think if you can think of it like, okay, you have the creative, you know, you have the creator, and then you mm-hmm. have, it sort of branches out into two sides of, of who the creator deals with. Their team of, of, their business team, right? The people they hire, mm-hmm. the individuals they hire, directly to support and oversee all of their business. So management team, Mm -hmm. their business manager, accountant, their attorney, um, agent, their booking agent, um, publicist, you know, those are, those are a few examples, like the, the core examples, like I would say the traditional examples of, of the team, the artist team. And then on the other side, you have, I would say, they, I, let's call them like 
third party entities mm -hmm. who are then brought on to partner with the artist. We're talking about a record label, a publisher, promoter, um, distributor, to mm -hmm. then take what the team has built, what the artist has created and what the team has built, and take that, that body of work, whatever it is, and exploit it, promote it, disseminate it to the public, mm -hmm. market it, uh, turn it into maybe other other forms of business, other business verticals, whether you know it's licensing it out or or creating something else through that through their music platform. You know, there's so many. So I would, yeah, I would kind of strip it down to the, to those roles. Um, but really, in this day and age, you can sort of carve out your own role. You can mm -hmm. find your niche because they're. Artists always need very specific things, and, and there are people who are experts in that specific thing. And maybe that's what the artist wants to focus on. And, and you know, whether it's like, you know, I, I had a meeting yesterday with a, with a woman who consults to, for a lot of labels and artists and their, and, or their management teams to um, do playlist pitching, you know, mm -hmm. and that's some, that's, that's something that that's a lane she created for herself because she was already doing it within a label structure and then figured, you know, there was such a demand for it and then just branched out and started and started doing it on her own. But there's so many people like that, people who do do sync licensing or, you know, there's so many examples of, of people who've created this niche for themselves. And so, you know, the beauty of the music business and, and also, I guess, why it can also be the Wild West is that there's no barrier to entry, you know, unless you're a, unless you're an attorney or you're an accountant and you need a specific degree to practice. You could enter the music industry tomorrow if you want. I could say I'm going to manage you, you know. I'm I'm going to I'm going to be your publicist. Um, so you really have a lot of freedom within the space if you figure out what what your expertise is, you know what I mean? And, and you build your network and you know how to market yourself and you know how to talk to people. You can really create whatever you want. So in that vein, you mentioned marketing. And I think that's one of the biggest things nowadays because there's so much social media and there's all these platforms that artists can sort of just throw their image out there and, you know, either get really popular or, you know, people don't even mm -hmm. notice them. Um, there's just so much competition nowadays. When should a musician or even a music industry professional, like when should they look for one of these people, you know, like an attorney or someone to market them or, um, you know, anyone in these roles? Yeah, that's, that's always a, a tricky question. Um, or not question, but a, a tricky situation because mm -hmm. I think until you really have something to manage, then there's no reason to hire somebody, you know, unless there's really something happening mm -hmm. or the, a project is all, you're, it's ready, it's, it's, things are happening, you already have people reaching out to you, there's been some activity, 
there's been engagement it's to a point where okay I need to bring somebody on to help support me in this and to help build it further it's the timing is really crucial I think if you approach it too early then you're just wasting resources and and other mm -hmm. and time but you know also if you really want to engage the right people it's always about timing and and usually nowadays managers attorneys whoever they are find the artists that they want to work with right mm -hmm. now it's such a it's such a chicken before the egg scenario because it's like but then how do i get to this level if i don't have any help and i yeah, need somebody to help it yeah but the reality is there, no one's going to make miracles happen you know you just because you hire a manager doesn't mean that your your life is going to change mm. you really already have to have to me i mean this is just my observation i mean of course there are super there are amazing teams out there who have created in, incredible careers for people mm. but i think in the best case scenario it's sort of a true partnership mm. of the art both the creative the artist whoever they are and their management team as partners right like really being open and transparent and having an, a, a, a like-minded vision but also really listening to each other mm. um it's not just like okay the artist wants to be famous let's make it happen you know yeah what are you working with? Like, it just doesn't mm -hmm. come out of thin air. Yeah. And if it does, that's that's pretty lucky, I would say. And also, the per stars aligning perfectly and, and you know, uh, maybe just the right amount of money. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I find that, like, longevity in a career and a really just successful artist who who will be around for generations they they have a long a lot of them have had longtime managers or lifetime managers really mm -hmm. or teams and and they have a very symbiotic relationship you know it's not as an artist you definitely can't just like have someone run your business and not have any any mm -hmm. engagement or interest or knowledge of what's going on that you're really going to crash and burn because then you're leaving everything into someone else's hands and and you really don't know what's going on. So, mm. yeah. yes, as an artist, super important to be involved. Of course, you want you you should be able to hand things off and and be trusting that that things are are happening, but uh, there should always be a communication. There should always be before decisions are made everything needs to go, you know, everyone needs to communicate and talk about it first. Mm -hmm. um, and on the business side, same thing. I think there's an onus on the business side to really make sure the artist is educated and understands the nature of whatever contract they're entering into or whatever deal they're entering into with a, with a label or what that, what that relationship means. Um, mm. what is in their, what is in their responsibilities, um, to deliver as the artist to the label, you know, they're, they're funding your project. Like you, you, you have to deliver things. 
Um, yeah. But also remain an artist and be true to that. So the business side also has to understand that you kind of have to you have to let the artist be an artist, be authentic, and you can't put too much pressure and you have to let them rest when they need to rest. Like they're not machines, you know? So there, there's just things on both sides that um, you, if you, if you want to have a manager, if you want to have a team, a superstar team, um, yes, it's, it's important. It can definitely make your career happen or, or explode. But, mm -hmm also understand as an artist that it won't be it, it won't be a miraculous life-changing thing just on its own there everybody has to yeah. do the work you know both sides mm -hmm. have to do their work so how about for you know we always talk about the artist the artist this the artist that but what about for people who are aspiring to be in the industry as on the business side so uh do they have to make it on their own? Can they have a team too? I I mean, I feel like my team is really all of the relationships that I've nurtured and built over the years. Um, who at this point, you know, I've known I've known these people they, for twenty plus years. A lot of them. So at, at this point, I've known them half my life, and they're my friends. You know, this is this is like my work family, and. Mm -hmm you learn along the way that that's how the industry works. You support each other. You send mm -hmm. each other clients. You refer business to each other. It really is a community. It's an ecosystem that you create, and you can create your own ecosystem. So I definitely have my, my inner circle, but mm -hmm. I know you, you sort of sense out intuitively you know who you can who you can work with, right? And mm -hmm. you develop that relationship and and you may not do you may not work together ever, but there's always that, you know, one degree of separation or two degrees of separation, like, oh, I know so and so. You should meet them because you could help them out. Or, you know, you could they're mm -hmm. looking for um a manager, or they're looking for an attorney. And, you know, so it's it's always important to develop those relationships and to never take them for granted because you never know. Um, it's all about supporting each other. That's, you know, that's what drives the business is really these relationships. Mm -hmm. it's, it's one of the, you know, the entertainment industry in general. I think the creative industry in general is really about relationships. You know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. um, it's not transactional. There's a lot of trust involved and building that trust is so important. Um, so even if, you know, people always want to be vetted, you know, they always want, before someone does the deal with someone, they always ask, you know, they ask around, like, do you know so-and-so? Should I trust them? Are they cool? What's, you know, what's the vibe? So, yeah. What was the question again? <laughs> um, I was just asking, like, uh, can business professionals also yes have a team. yeah so that's my answer is yes your team is all these relationships you build um and of course like if you're if you're at a company you you know that's your team that's your internal immediate team but i think that also all these other people in the industry that you know your contacts your network 
that is also your team. It becomes your team, you know, not maybe not directly. They're not you don't work for the same company, but you still work together. Everybody sort of interacts in, in some capacity. Right. Everybody's interfacing in, in any given moment. There's a lot of collaboration that happens in our in our industry. So it's really important um, to sort of build your network and that becomes your team. So for those who are just starting, you know, they don't have a career yet. They don't have a job in the field yet. Um, they're probably still going to school even. So in a sense, would their team be their peers? Absolutely. Right? You know, their, their professors, um, the people they Absolutely, come across. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, you really just, the more, the more people you know, um, mm. It's very educational too. Um, it's mm. it's really it adds value. Just even if you never speak to somebody again, but you come across them, and just the interaction can kind of educate how inform you. Like, okay, this is this is was an interesting conversation, or I really didn't like talking to that person, and getting to the bottom of why that was, or something didn't rub you right. You know, like. Every interaction you learn something and every every relationship you learn something whether it's it's negative positive you know nothing mm -hmm. like you, it, you do take away something from that interaction um even if it's like okay well I know I never have to talk to that person again <laughs> or or you know I don't like their vibe or whatever it is I know like I'm part of Grammy mm -hmm. U um, and there's so many people, you know, and I honestly speaking, they're part of our audience as well, you know, um, people who are in these communities who are really, they're trying to get to know each other. But I see that a lot of people don't really communicate with each other, even if they're in the same general mm -hmm, bubble, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so we have like our chapter for New York and, you know, I haven't really spoken right. to anyone. But... All, all these other people from different chapters are talking to me. So it's sort of like, how do we get that connection started? You know, how, how are we breaking down that wall? And I think that goes in line with even the topic of our podcast, you know, breaking that wall so that we can get to where we need to get and really make those connections and start advancing right. our careers. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. I think there is always... Uh, you know, there always needs to be a, a reason, you know, whether mm -hmm. if you're trying to connect with someone, maybe you've met, you know, at a, at a networking event, a Grammy U networking event, and you're like, okay, I really like your vibe. And mm -hmm. we have a lot to talk about. Don't really know what that, what that means, but maybe we can sit and brainstorm potential mm -hmm. ways we could collaborate or work together. Um, I think if you sort of frame it very specifically, because everyone's busy, everyone, you know, life is is consuming and and you meet a lot of people in this business along the way. And sometimes you know, they're not a meet, they're not the top of your mind. Um you know, especially the, the the longer you go in this industry, the more you 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 know, the bandwidth for your memory <laughs> becomes narrower and narrower. <laughs> and um it takes a moment for you totally forget like, "Oh, wait, yeah." What about that person? They could be really, you know, they could really add a lot of value to what I'm doing right now. And one, I should, mm -hmm. I should pick their brain, you know. So I think when you meet people in in that scenario where you're just getting to know each other, um, you don't really have a specific purpose to engage. 
kind of create some uh, some reason to connect, whether it's just to brainstorm or, oh, I, I have someone who I want to introduce you to. Um, you guys might be able to work on something together. You know, because that, that dot connecting thing, yeah, people will always remember that. They always remember that. And I always used to say, you know, like when I, when I was starting out and I was at CSAC still and I would always, anytime I was out and, and you know, luckily I had an expense account so I could do this. But <laughs> um, anytime I was at a show and was meeting people, you know, back then, you know, I was, I was at gigs almost every single night of the week, right? So, and that was where business was done. It's a little bit different now. It's not as much of that. You know, there's more and more being done virtually. But, um, yeah, I would always make sure to buy someone a drink, buy someone coffee, you know, whatever the case was, because mm. they remember that, you yeah. know. Um, so that was always one of my... my scenarios my uh tactics of of strategies of how to kind of engage someone you buy them a drink you buy them coffee you buy them lunch whatever it is then yeah they, they're gonna sit and talk to you and they're gonna remember that you know they remember oh she yeah she bought me a drink that was really nice and we had a nice chat you know even if it was five minutes ten minutes whatever it was you know yeah and to that point like i've noticed a lot of like, actually, I made a commitment to be a full-time engineer just, I was kind of a, a year in when COVID hit. And then, so I'm, like, figuring it out as we're going. And, you know, I go back to working regular jobs and whatever. Uh, and a friend of mine ends, ends up seeing me, and I, I end up working at this corporate place. But I walk in, and, you know, like, I'm like, yeah, whatever, this corporate place. I meet the guy. Eventually, my new boss, like, mixed uh aretha franklin he mixed cool in the gang like he was on tour he's and then i you know get to the room and it's like oh that guy's a music engineer 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 that guy's on tour half the year that guy, like and it becomes this thing of if, if you're just like oh that guy manages this person or that guy you know is friends with this person um because that would happen where like you know some of you know a, a certain very popular group lived about 20 minutes from me and you would hear people go like, Oh, let's go to that party. It's at their house. Mm -hmm. And I inherently was like, nah, cause I feel like a lot of people there are just going to be like, Oh my God, this, this is the house. Yeah, they, they were, yeah. I bet they were smoking weed down there. I bet they were, <laughs> you know, like I, and, and over time I ended up going and doing gigs, like gigs where I was like, Oh God, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to know anybody. No one's going to know what I'm talking about. Um, a lot of times those are the connections that like two weeks later, you're like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I went. And yeah. this person knows this person and, you know, connects those dots. Yeah. You, you don't know if you're not, you know, it's a very social industry. So you have to put it out there. Totally. It's always beneficial to, to get outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Always. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you don't want to work in a vacuum. You don't want to, you don't want to, you know, yeah. it's, it becomes really to keep, you know, activity breeds activity, however you, you know, motion creates motion, like, it, you, you got to keep, keep it moving forward, and, yeah. and when you get, especially creatively, you know, and, and I consider the business side, to, to be clear, like, I consider that creative as well. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. You know, we are in an, in a creative industry, and it's just, there's two sides of it, 
if you if you want to break it down in a very black and white you know case but but yeah we're all we're all creative minded and in order to stay creative and inspired I think it's really important to constantly challenge yourself and learn and push your limits and put yourself in situations that might not be so comfortable you know I mean Mm -hmm. I'll to be honest I don't like public speaking (laughs) that was people might think I do because I do so many panels and I you know I taught and whatever but like no, I I don't. Is it comfortable? No. I get a little nervous every time. I'm still I'm more comfortable now because I sort of figured out, okay, these are these, this is sort of the message I overall that I want to convey, right? I have like a purpose and a message now that I know is part of my narrative. But how each situation is different and and it's always a little jarring cuz you you know, you don't want to sound like an idiot and <laughs> and you're like, "Oh my god, there's there's very seasoned executives in this room and they're listening to every word I say and you know it can be really intimidating but I force myself to do it because it's important and it does Mm -hmm. it really has helped my career um and and put me in front of people and developed new relationships with those people and I probably wouldn't have been able to accomplish that if you know I, I hadn't taken the leap and did the panel or taught yeah. the class or or whatever the case was you know um definitely it's 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 always i i would say you got to you got to you got to make yourself a little uncomfortable and challenge yourself always yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the same thing in the classroom as well, you know. Um, A lot of people are still even in school or they just graduated from school. So even like just raising your hand and asking a question, I think that's even putting yourself out there to really understand, like, if I want to learn about this topic, I have to talk about the topic. Absolutely. Um, See, that's one of the things that I I learned in in school too. Um, and, And sometimes I even had like conversations back and forth even sometimes a little bit argumentative, you know, like, no, this is not this way or yes. And then the other person's like, yes, this is this way. But then it's like you take your step back and you realize, oh, there's so many different perspectives that if you don't speak up or you don't talk to anyone, you don't in- indulge yourself. Yeah, no, definitely. And and you learn, you know, understanding all the perspectives or listening to everyone's perspectives mm-hmm. is is education. Mm-hmm. Really, it's like really understanding people and what what makes what drives them, and that really informs how you communicate with them. You know, it it really determines sort of the nature of what your relationship is, and you you know how to approach if you if if there's something on the business front that you want to talk to them about, you know how to approach it. You know, it's really you got to pay attention to people. Like this is really about you know. Again, if you want to break it down really to a really rudimentary level, like it's it's all about building relationships and 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 as humans paying attention to each other and really listening and and you know, catching that other person's vibe and and how to interact with it, you know? Definitely. So in that in that general uh area, I, I do wanna ask about like um, public relations versus artist relations, you know, because I think people don't really realize that there's two different aspects to the whole, 
I guess, managing the artist's image. I mean, that talk about an art. That is an art. Like, that's that's yeah. a very specific thing that not a lot of men can do. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're talking about public relations um, as a broad concept, it's really what that is is, I guess, um, a, a, as an individual or a, or a group, an entity, there's a specific message mm -hmm. you want to relay to the public mm -hmm. um, to sort of influence their perception. That's that's what public relations is, you know, in in essence. Um, so it's really yeah, creating creating sort of a narrative, um, and and hopefully the public perception is what, what you aim for it to be. Yeah. Now, I guess if you're talking about um, artist relations, I mean, that's really just, uh, for, I mean, on, on my end of things, where I'm at now at, at Sound Royalties, what that means for me is really just being in the community, educating them, um, really making sure that they understand the nuances of what, what we do um, but also in general, like just educating them on on various business things, you know, business ideas that are so important, you know, on the finance side of things, on the ro royalty income, and mm -hmm. and all of the things that have sort of presented themselves in our industry recently that that to artists are really outside of their wheel wheelhouse in a lot of yeah. yeah ways you know i mean most traditionally most artists don't really want to have to to deal with the the finances but it's become such a part of the conversation now that they need to at least understand on a on a high level like what that you know what their options are and what that means for them as an individual as mm -hmm. as as an artist how it impacts them what they can do to, you know, elevate their whatever their financial situation is, or you know, bring bring in more revenue. You know, there's these are the things that like, you know, as when when I talk about when I say artist relations or or you know industry relations, that's I think that's what that really is. It's it's sort of um, educating them and relaying information so that they can have an understanding of what's happening in our industry mm. and what what the need there's always new developments all constantly technology um creatively you know on on the business side all the all all of the players that keep entering the space whether they're tech companies or private equity firms you know there's so many people that want a piece of this mm -hmm. and so that's why i think that you know having a having someone who or a, a team that that really focuses on making sure that that the artist community the creative community understands and there's you know that's that's really i think what what the artist relations industry relations term is mm -hmm. to me and 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 what i do yeah. so my my understanding is that you also did PR before, right? I did. That was my that was like my first job. Um, 
I, I interned at a PR firm, an entertainment PR firm in Austin, Texas, when I was going to UT. Mm-hmm. And then when I graduated, I was still working for them um, a, short, a little bit after I graduated. And then I landed my job at CSAC and moved to New York mm-hmm. um, as an assistant and then just grew with the company and stayed there for 19 years. But that was, yeah, so that... The, the PR and I, I had a degree in journalism, which also there was a there was a big focus on PR within my degree. But that was, you know, it, it was it's a skill. It's something that I use every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, it just I spent a lot of time talking to people and writing emails and, you know, having these types of conversations and doing panels. So really understanding the concept of, of communication and and public relations, if you want to call it that, is, yeah. is, has, has really been something that um, I've used as a tool, even though I don't directly use my degree. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, there was a moment where I thought, okay, I, could, I, I do want to be a journalist or I want to be a filmmaker, you know. Um, but I ended up here and, and I love it. And, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I'm thankful to have that skill, you know, to be like, yeah. you know, I, I used to always, um, uh, one of my former colleagues at CSAC always used to, you know, send me email drafts of things she was about to send to people because she wanted me to, to, to tweak it or edit it. She's like, you just have a, you know, you, you know how to, to communicate things succinctly and, and like, you know, make it sound nice. And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess I, I guess I kind of do sometimes. <laughs> That degree didn't go to waste. Well, that's good. <laughs> of course, that's, that's what we all want, right? I mean, yes. <laughs> um, so talking about your, your history is like, how did you get into the music industry? Because you, you, you did say that you at one point thought you wanted to be a journalist or even a filmmaker. So how did you land here? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't intentional that I would end up where I am. I definitely mm-hmm. just sort of followed the signs and the path. But when I was in college, I always had various jobs, part-time jobs and internships related mm-hmm. to music. I worked at the radio station, um, you know, did the, worked for the entertainment PR firm, All was always going to shows. I mean, I grew up, music was a big part of my life too. I studied piano, you know, my dad likes to play guitar and sing and, and, I was a figure skater and, and, and danced, so music was definitely a part of that. So it was always in my life and sort of the center of my life. I went to a lot of shows when I was, when I was a teenager and um, loved, loved all of that. So I knew that I wanted to be in either film or music. The idea of film and music really resonated with me. I loved movies and and that was sort of why I wanted to become a filmmaker, but I also loved the marriage of music in with with the images with film. I thought that mm-hmm. was always really magical to me. So that's sort of where my head was at and then when I was looking when I was graduating um and I was working for this PR firm, I started interviewing like at a lot of uh PR firms just because I was already at a PR firm yeah I wasn't convinced honestly like that that's what I wanted to do but 
I, I was just trying to follow, you know, the logical path. And then um, I was working, um, if you're familiar with South by Southwest, which is a very, yeah. one of the, you know, biggest music conferences, festivals, uh, it's been going on for a long time. We were doing, um, the PR firm I was at, one of their clients was the Recording Academy, the Texas chapter. So they were, I was working uh, the South by Southwest booth for the Recording Academy, um, helping them out. And that's when I met my future boss at CSAC. And, you know, it was one of those things. Like, he he hung out with me and some of my college friends, and we went to, sh we dragged him around to a bunch of shows. Um, and And we had a great time. And then I stayed in touch with him. A few months down the road after I had just graduated, the, the women that um, that owned the PR firm, they told me that they were going to shut it down and, and do their own individual things. So I was like, okay, I need to find a job. And, and one day I just, I probably had a couple margaritas and I called, <laughs> I called um, my future boss. His name is Trevor Gale. He, he's a dear friend of mine and, and my mentor. And um, I called him up and I was like, I'm looking for a job, <laughs> you know? He's like, oh, well, would you move to New York? I was like, yes, I've wanted to live, to live in New York since I, you know, was in diapers watching Sesame Street. So, <laughs> yeah, literally, like, it was a few months later, I, maybe, like, three months later after I had called him that I, I moved to New York. And I didn't really know, in full transparency, I really didn't know what CSAC did. I didn't fully <laughs> understand it. Yeah. I thought, like a lot of people think um, to this day, that it's a, it's a publisher or, you know, something of that nature. I, I did not know what a performing rights organization was or did because I didn't work directly mm -hmm. in in the music space. Like I was, I was at a PR entertainment PR firm. Right. So I bought that Donald Passman book. All you need to know about the music industry. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't really read it. I just like, yeah, scanned yeah. it. I went straight to the PRO chapter uh -huh. and they didn't even in the old edition, he didn't even talk about uh, CSAC in the old edition, like the, one of the, you know, earlier editions. Um, I remember being very confused. I think he just mentioned it in passing or something in the book. And I was like, well, that doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> so I didn't really understand it, you know? Uh -huh. um, and then, yeah, so that's that's how I entered the space. Like, that's that was my first official job. Moved to New York, started working at CSAC, which was really a great place to land because when you're at a performing rights organization like CSAC, um, you meet everybody in the industry you meet all walks of, mm -hmm. of the industry from the business side to the creative side it's 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 a beautiful thing because you work one-on-one -on -one with the songwriters but you also get to meet everyone on their team or, or connect them with with potential members of their team and you get to mm -hmm. work talk to record labels and 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 publishers because they're the a r staffs were always like you know oh well we know you have you know the early you get you get people early who's like the hot new writer that you just signed that we should be that should be mm. on our radar you know so it was really cool to it just opened up a lot of doors um and and yeah I stayed there for 19 years and grew with the company and really just had a lot of fun um meeting and you know again took full advantage of being in that in that position really just 
out all the time, went to showed my face at everything, you know, and just talked to everybody. You know, I didn't, I, cause you, you know, and Trevor always used to say this to me too. I'm going to give Trevor credit. I've got to give Trevor props cause that you never know. And that is so true. Like you just never know who you're talking mm -hmm. to and who, where they'll end up or, or where their, their career, their path will take them. Um, so many of those situations where that, wow, I never knew but wow, look at that guy or, you know, look at her. Like it's, it's cool. It's really cool. That's really, that's amazing. That's incredible. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, you have to, you sort of have to build your own ecosystem, you know, mm -hmm. and, and build community, which is really, mm -hmm. I, I can't, I can't stress that enough. That's, that's how this all works. You know, we have, mm -hmm. we have to have a strong community and really take care of each other and look out for each other. What are some changes that you'd like to see in the music industry? I think the biggest change Oh, that's a good question. There are so many things that could be changed, but I really think the transparency that I, I talked about before, um, I think a lot of a lot of issues really stem from, again, that lack of transparency, you know, whatever the shortfalls of the communication are. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, and and also just how do we, really support each other like you know I think the industry traditionally has been very predatory a lot of things are not artist friendly that are built into our the way our system works and mm -hmm. we can change all of that it is it is already starting to change because artists are definitely more aware and they're educating themselves um, and I think also I've, I've noticed a change in how people, you know, are are really on the business side supporting each other and, and making an mm -hmm. effort to create community and really support each other. Um, I've, I'm seeing much more of that. I don't think it, it – when I started out, I really didn't see as much of that camaraderie as I do today. It, it really seems like people mm -hmm. are making a, a, a vis visible effort um, – I, you know, I see it, I feel it. I think especially the the younger generation that's coming up are really good about collaborating and, and just, you know, sort of freestyling and, and, and exchanging ideas and just seeing what flows, you know. And I think that's a Definitely. beautiful thing. So I think if we can just keep keep that energy, like just really how do how do we support each other how do we keep it transparent and fair and and like let's just be direct and honest you know that's really it's it's to me an integrity is is a big thing 
integrity, authenticity, you know, all of those things are so important. I think if, if we can stick to that and, and just continuing to build community and educate and, and help each other, then a lot of things will change for the better on its yeah. on their own organically. Yeah, and to your point, I think there's uh you had a story just like this. Like one of the some of the greatest information I ever got was from a guy that as soon as he walked away, I turned to all my friends and I said, Why is he talking to me? And all of them were like just you know, they didn't they didn't know who he was or whatever. And then he told me where he, you know, what he was doing and where he worked. And I was like, Why why did you just talk to me for two hours? Like, you know, and that's that's all, you know, like that's that communal aspect. Yeah. So it's it's really it, it is great. I've you never know. Well. Yeah. And and it may not be obvious at that moment yeah. or, or even wasn't. or even five <laughs> years from now, yeah. but yeah. it could be 20 years down the road and and somehow your paths cross yeah. again. And there's a reason mm. you just never know. It's such a small world. And it really is like it's it's not even six degrees of separation in this industry. It's like two or three, and yeah. and the longer you're in it, it it just becomes smaller and smaller. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, it's I think it's super important to always have that integrity and and you know your reputation is always going to follow you. Honestly, mm -hmm. is is how I've I've been able to survive is just trying to do the right thing and be a good human being and, you know, <laughs> yeah. not be an asshole and, and that's it, you know? Yeah. Just listen to people, just res have a mutual respect. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and just try to do good business, you know? Good business, meaning, like, fair, equitable, transparent, I understand everybody. Everybody's trying to make money and everybody's trying to win, but we can all win. You know, we can yes. all play in the sandbox together, and we can all have fun and win. And 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 I think I don't think that's an unreasonable um, expectation. You know? No, I don't think so. I think I think that's very reasonable, actually. And what you've been saying is correct because even with my Instagram, like I've been seeing a lot of people who aren't necessarily involved in the industry, but still saying, hey guys, look at this cool thing I saw and we should all really try to help that out. Or, you know, hey, whoever's interested in music, like here's some um, internships and they just throw out a whole list of internships. That's beautiful. You know? that's I beautiful. think that's great. Yeah, no, it is. And and it's, it's just building that community's like, it's so important and and mm -hmm. it'll just Definitely. make it'll make the whole experience much that much more fun and mm -hmm. and enjoyable and you know you won't get stressed out over over you know corny people or you know yeah. <laughs> like yeah. just, just keep it keep building the the good community that's it yeah all right. Well, with this comes our closing. So it's been a Thank pleasure you having so you. so much. This was a lot of fun. I really, I, it's very humbling and, and flattering to even to be your first. So thank you for that. <laughs> of course. Thank you. Really, thank you. Because without you, our first episode wouldn't, I feel like it, it just wouldn't have been a great segue. You know, I, I think that you have a lot of knowledge in terms of education and really, you're really trying to make people understand that this is, it's an industry for all, you know? Um, and I think that's really what we want to showcase as well, um, especially to the, you know, brand new aspiring community 
that we really have to keep that um, that communication and that openness. Absolutely. Really Anything's possible. You can make it happen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So let's do it. It's on you guys. <laughs> I'm handing it over to you. Oh, no. <laughs> it's on us. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, again, I'm your host, Ashley Betances, and we have our audio engineer and producer, Curtis Sullivan. Our guest is Jamie Dominguez. If you're willing to put your um, social Whatever media. Whatever you want to plug in the there. Throw it all in there. Got it. Yeah, and definitely I, I would suggest any of you aspiring professionals, creatives, check out the Recording Academy, Grammy U. Um, if you're, you know, if, if you're inter more interested in learning what I do, uh, you can check out Sound Royalties, soundroyalties.com. Um, all of these things, you know, just just keep educating yourselves. Uh, definitely, the Recording Academy is a great great resource. I'm I'm on the board of governors, and there's so many resources that people aren't aware of. So try to get in there, get in that mix, and and get involved, engage with that community. You'll never know who you meet. <laughs> Once again, please remember to like this episode and subscribe to our podcast and social media to keep up with updates. Um, don't forget to check out our coffee page and donate because every single donation counts. So we'll see you on the next episode, everyone.